0: communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via twitter instagram or facebook again thank you for joining us today at the community church oxford podcast good morning what a lead-in already huh It's been a blessing this morning so thankful to be able to share the word with you today uh most of you know me but uh those of you that are new here maybe don't my name is jay parks and uh I was born and raised here in Oxford, and it was a um, surrendered my life to full-time ministry in 2010, and uh, moved to Hawaii and suffered for Jesus to plant a church. That's what everybody says. I don't know. It's not funny to me, but uh, anyway, and uh, we came back here in July of last year, and uh, was able to join our uh, our team, our awesome team here, and be able to focus on community groups and to focus on discipleship and hospitality. And so those are the things that I've been doing uh, here at Community Church, but I'm excited to be able to preach. I uh, preach for uh, 10 years uh, every week of my life for 10 years, sometimes two to three times a week. And it's been a different change not to be in the pulpit and not to be preaching consistently. Uh, But I'm excited to be with you today and be able to share uh, we're going to continue in this series that we've been looking at the burden and blessing. And Paul is writing this letter to the Thessalonians, and he is he's telling them a lot of things. I mean, he starts off with saying how proud he is of them. He's heard of their faith, he's heard of their faithfulness and and charges them to continue and charges them to keep moving forward uh, in the work that they've done. But he hears that there are a few things that they are concerned about and that they've been questioning about. and I love that we brought up the uh, intimacy this morning of just a, kind of a, you know, this doesn't feel real intimate sometimes in a big room like this, but uh, man, it's awesome for us just to step back for a minute and just think about uh, Paul's heart as he's writing this letter. And I, I, my prayer this morning as I was sitting there was, uh, Lord, let me let me preach uh, to the people and assuring them of some of these questions and of these concerns that they have with a pastor's heart. And and the way that Paul did, I believe that Paul, when he was writing this letter, was writing it in deep love for them, saying, man, I know you're concerned about this thing and this thing and that thing, but, but don't be bothered by these things. Know that this is what's going to happen, and know that you can have faith in what Fish brought up multiple times, that you can have hope in the return of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I I hope to be able to share with you in a real way of how God has used these verses and many other verses in my life to help me deal uh, with some of the tough things that I've gone through. Uh, I'll be honest, when he gave me uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 and I read it, I was like, oh man, I don't want to preach no funeral verses. These are funeral verses, you know? These are verses that I, I have preached in a funeral. Fish says he preaches them in funerals and... Uh, there are verses of hope, but uh, as I prayed about that and I read this week, I, I realized that uh, God had ordained uh, me preaching these passages because, as many of you know, I lost my father uh, a few years ago, and uh, that's the reason that we're back here. Uh, that's the reason that we moved back. And, um, you know, man, I, I dealt with some great grief uh, in the midst of that. But what I want to share about that I'm excited to share about today is the hope that I had in the midst of the trial of the passing of my dad, my very best friend in life. We weren't always best friends early in life, but as, as I moved to Hawaii, we actually got, uh, the further I was from him, the closer we got in relationship. I mean, we talked every day of my life. And I realize that this passage that had been given to me is a great privilege for me to be able to preach today because some of you that are in this room are dealing with great grief over loss. You're dealing with maybe questions or maybe you have concerns. How does all of this piece together? How does it work together? How do I know for certain that those that have passed before the return of Christ will be in heaven one day, will will be with me, that we'll be reunited, that we'll be brought back together. And so actually, as I started to reevaluate this passage, I thought, man, this is an honor to speak to people in the midst of maybe the most difficult times in their life. Can anybody resonate with that? Amen. So this morning, as we dive into uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. I want us to uh, just really prepare our hearts for this as we move into it. As I want you to think for a moment of how this can be applied to your life specifically this morning. If there's losses, if there's grieving, how this can be applied to your life. How this hope can, can raise your head from mourning. How this hope can give you uh, excitement for tomorrow and the future that comes ahead. Because those that, we, those that we love that have passed along, that have moved from this world into a heavenly place, man, if you love them, could you pick a better place? I mean, you know, as I thought about it, I was like, man, I'm so thankful that I can know that my father Spirit is in heaven right now rejoicing with the Father. We're going to dig into that. So join me this morning as we read in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, and I'm going to read through 18 this morning. It reads like this, "But, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope, of command, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words." Heavenly Father, as I dive into these verses today I've you've taught me so much this week I've read so much this week about this and really wrestled with a few things that I had questions about myself, but you've given me much clarity after studying your word this week. Lord I pray that I would bring that same clarity today as I preach the Word of God and that it would be it would be sincere that it would be compassionate, that it would be in love, that you would take the Word of God today and you would pierce our hearts, Lord, that we would we would hear the great hope that we have in Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you would move in a powerful way today. Lord, as I found myself in much uh, stress and anxiety this morning as I was reading through this and I decided some of it wasn't what I wanted and... Then I came walking in just the last minute this morning and feeling really stressed from that. Lord, I pray you just calm my spirit this morning. Let me be in full reliance upon you this morning. Let the Holy Spirit take over, and I pray that the hope that's found in the verses on these pages would walk right into our hearts, Lord, and would change our perspective on the grieving process, knowing that there's much hope in Jesus Christ. We love you. I give you this sermon today, Lord. May it bring great glory. May it be used to draw people to you. In your name we pray, amen. I think uh, it's safe to say this morning that uh, these are very relevant verses for us today, that many of us have lost loved ones, whether it be parents, spouse children, siblings. The verses will instill a sense of hope in the midst of grieving. And I think it's safe to say that most of us in here have questions about the return of Christ. Would anybody in here say, oh, I fully understand it. You're not brave enough to raise your hand. But most of us, most of us have some questions about the return of Christ. I explained it this week when we were talking about the sermon in Fish's office. was this week, I said, it's like the Lord gave us a 10-piece a puzzle. You know, if he gives you a 1,000-piece puzzle and you're only missing one piece, you're still able to make out what the picture is, aren't you? But if he gives you a 10-piece puzzle that's this big and you're missing one piece out of it, you have no clue what it makes, right? You have no understanding of it. And I feel like that in some things, the Lord has given us all of the pieces of the puzzle, but in some areas he's left out of peace, and that's for our faith. That's where we would trust in him and pursue him and and just trust him with the things that we don't understand. But Paul is saying, man, I know you guys are struggling with this, but I want to assure you in this specific thing that those that have fallen asleep before the return of Christ are not going to be left behind. Actually, they're going to proceed before you. And he's saying, man, you can have peace and rest in that. And I I labeled this... um, I labeled this uh, point as the promise of the great reunion. Hey, Hook, could you hand me my water? I'm sorry, man. <coughs> I apologize, guys. Thank you so much. The promise of the great reunion. Paul knew that they believed in the return and that they still had some questions. And Jesus as Jesus ascended into the clouds in the book of Acts, in Acts 1, he ascended into the clouds right after he gave them Acts 1-8, the gospel, the strategy to uh, carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. He ascended into heaven, and what were the disciples doing? They were going, I mean, you would have been doing it right. <coughs> Basically, the angel said, why are you standing here with your mouths open looking into the sky? For know that the way that he's ascended is the same way that he is going to descend in the day of his return. So go and do the work of the ministry. Is that what he said? So what he said. He said, go, get busy, do the work of the ministry. Christ is going to return. And they understood it as a literal promise that in their lifetime that Christ was going, to be, was going to return. We didn't know exactly when that was going to happen, but they lived their life in such a sense of urgency that they carried the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think urgency is a word that we really need today. We really need to live our lives in a sense of urgency, but we have become relaxed we have become relaxed in the fact that it's been over 2,000 years and Christ still has not returned. He has still not broken over the, open the eastern skies. He has not come uh, by the sound of the trumpet. He has not raised the dead. He has not raised us up. Because of that, we're like, well, is it really coming? And most of us in here would say, Come on, Jay, you can't say that from the pulpit. Is he really coming? We wouldn't be here if we didn't believe that he was going to return. But we're not living our lives in a way that seems that we believe that he's returning. Because what I see in the life of the disciples is they believe that he was going to return days, if not moments, from the moment that he ascended into heaven. Just three days he had died and he rose again. So what makes us think that these next three days, these next seven days, these next months, these next years, these... Uh, this, all of this time that's laid before us, that it could be now, tomorrow, or next week. But we live in such a passive way, amen, that we are just, ah, we got time. As Fish this morning brought up the Ukrainians and the Christians that are there, that the gospel is spreading. They realize something that you don't realize. They don't have time. Time is against them. It's not on their side, it's against them. And it has caused the people to say, I want to give the hope of Jesus to as many people as possible. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would give us a sense of urgency, God. Let the church understand that there is a sense of urgency to share the gospel to the ends of the earth and the hope that Jesus Christ gives us. Forgive us, God, for living passively living like there's no urgency, but in these verses, it says that we'll come like a thief in the night. We will not have a clue of the time. Lord, let us live like we have a purpose because you've given us one. In your name, amen. As we look at this this morning, he He's telling them, man, I want you to understand like I know that you believe that Christ is going to return. He's going to return and you live your life like you believe it because at the beginning of Thessalonians he says, man, I've heard of the faith of the people. I've heard of the work. I've heard of the spread. I've heard of all of the good things that you've done and he says, man, I believe that you believe that he's going to return. But I know that there's some concerns that they have. And Paul brought great news to them and great hope for us. Ultimately, those who have died and those living at the return of Christ will join the Lord as a single great company. And so we will be with the Lord forever, according to verse 17. By identifying these teachings as the Lord's own word, Paul intended to instill the confidence and hope and help their grief to be less intense. So he says, and and you'll notice this about Paul's writing, consistently says, in the name of the Lord, in the word of the Lord. He will say this consistently because he says, man, you don't have to trust me. You can trust what God has said about these things. And, And this Bible that we're holding, we can have faith and we can have trust. It's the only truth that we know today. That never lets us down. This is so vital for us who have lost loved ones. We can grieve in a different way than those that don't have faith. I actually don't even know how they do it. I've been asked to preach a few funerals of people that they weren't sure of their faith, and I struggled. I didn't know how to preach a funeral. The people who have no hope for the passing of their loved one just struggle. So I just share the gospel. I mean, that's all we can do, right? But what, but for those funerals that I preached, that where they had hope in Jesus Christ, it was a completely different atmosphere. There was a lot less wailing. There was a lot less. There was a lot. There's a lot less of these uncontrollable emotions. People were hurt because they didn't want to give up their time selfishly with their loved one. There's no doubt in that. But man, the hope that we have knowing that if we believe in eternal life and that we heard, we heard them confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that we know that they're going to be in heaven one day, Man, I think for my kids, you know, I don't, I don't want my kids to pass now. But I'm so thankful that I was able to lead Jackson at an ice cream shop in Texas in 2017 to the Lord. And then my wife led Molly in 2020 to the Lord in a, a restaurant in Waimea. And then I got to baptize both of them. Man, I can, I can breathe easy. That's what I tell April. Don't stress. The most important decision these kids ever had to make, they've done it. So thankful for that. As I think about the time of my dad passing, and I heard the first phone call about it in the end of May in 2020. My mom called and said, your dad wants to talk to you. he got some news today. And I said, okay. And we got on the phone, and he said, uh, well, they found cancer in my lungs, and uh, it don't look good. It says it's all over me. I think you ought to come home. And I said, said, I'll get a flight next week. I'll be home. And uh, so I flew home, and um, I spent the month of June with my dad. We went to to the cancer doctors. We went and talked to all of the different, looked at the different options, and um, we came home, and dad said, well, what do you think? I said, well, don't ask me what I think. You know, this is your decision, you know. He said, I don't think I want to fight it. I said, okay. He said, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I've lived 85 years. I've had a good life. I got a son I'm proud of. I got kids, grandkids. God's blessed me in such a way. I'm just not going to fight it. I said, dad, I think that's, I support you 100%. I think that's good. And that was it. Man, we didn't even talk about it anymore. It was over with. He just said, uh, I'm just going to enjoy today. I said, that's what we ought to do, you know. And, and we got to do some cool stuff together, ride around some while I was here in June. And then he was really just doing really well. And I'd been here for 30 days. And my church was back home, and we were getting people to preach and fill in. And, you know, I felt like, man, I got to get back. By the way, I was here with my two kids, and my wife was still there working because she had a job. And uh, so uh, I needed to get home, and I left. And um, I went through a two-week quarantine during that time. And uh, uh, the day I got out was on Saturday. I preached on Sunday morning. My mom called Sunday afternoon and says, hey, the hospice says that they think your dad probably won't make it through the next two days. And I said, okay. So I got on a plane Monday. I flew back. Uh, Didn't get to talk to my dad. Um, he was already in, incoherent, and, uh, but I got to sit there with him as he passed, and the strangest thing happened uh, when I was there. I was, I was holding his hand, and uh, my family was all around him in the living room. It was the strangest thing. When he passed, I started noticing people were crying, and but I just, I was okay. I don't know what it was. It was the weirdest thing. Because, I mean, there's nobody in my life I've ever loved more than my daddy. And I was okay. I was fine. I was sitting there, and and I remember praying this prayer and saying, thank you for ending his pain. Because I have this hope that only Jesus provides. Some of you might be sitting here this morning saying, you have no idea my Circumstance is completely different than yours. But I want to assure you that though your circumstance may be different, though they might have been taken in a whim, though it might be somebody other than an elderly parent, I want to tell you the hope of Jesus is for every believer. Amen? It's for every believer. And I hope today that as I'm sharing this, that you guys will feel this peace knowing, you know what I want from my kids? The best. The best. And heaven is the best. It's the best. That's what I want for my kids. So though I might be missing them in the present, if they were to pass, they have the best. And I'm so thankful for that. And some of you might be saying, well, my children children have never professed Jesus Christ. Then you need to feel a sense of urgency. Right now, this moment, I wouldn't be offended if you got up and walked out of this place for the sense of urgency to share the gospel with your loved one. We need to live a life that we saw lived out in the early church, this sense of urgency. The most beautiful thing, the last thing I'll say, the most beautiful thing was right before we left, the day before we left in the end of June 2020, we were sitting and talking to my dad me and Jackson were both on the floor. My dad was in chair. He was pretty weak, wasn't feeling good. And I, I said, Dad, just tell us some stories, you know, about life and whatever, you know. And he was telling me. I said, hey, man, tell Jackson about your testimony. And my dad started at the very beginning, and he told this, like, 15-minute story of how he came to know Jesus Christ. And I just got to sit and watch the most beautiful thing in the world. I saw my son, 11 years old at the time, sitting and gazing into the eyes of his grandfather and knowing without a doubt that he's going to be with God. Like, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. So as we move forward this morning, though, it says, but this brings a little bit of confusion as I read these verses. And I think, and as I I was reading them, I brought a little bit. It says, we do I want you uninformed, brothers, about those that are asleep for For you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. But then he goes further down and he starts to tell about what's going to happen. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. For we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming Lord, will not precede those that have fallen asleep. So my question was, as I read this verse, this surface question, and I think all of us would have it if we stopped and read it on our own. Well, wait a minute. Well, where are they? If they're if they've passed away, they've fallen asleep, as they're calling it here. They've passed away. I like that analogy too. They've fallen asleep because we're believers of eternal life, so we've simply fallen asleep to wake up in the presence of the Lord. And In Second Corinthians five eight. Uh, is a verse that a lot of people talk about, and in this verse, it, it reads with this. is Paul talking about, yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Like, he's saying, man, I would rather be away from this body and at home with the Lord. For, and in another instance, he says, for me to die is gain, It's gain. He says, he's looking at it, that's an eternal perspective of life, saying, man, I would rather be with the Lord. And often you see this as it's laid out. It'll say say that uh, if one is absent, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that is true for believers. To be absent from the body is to be present from with the Lord. But to gain clarity here, I think it's important for us to uh, really break this down and understand that we're talking about we're talking about the soul and we're talking about the physical body. These are two separate things that are separated upon our death. When we die, I believe, and the scripture teaches, and Paul really his theology and doctrine on this is that our souls ascend in the presence of God, and that our souls are there. They're dwelling with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord, but our bodies are placed into the ground, and when, we, when the return of Jesus Christ comes, it says that we will all be resurrected and be given our new bodies. Those of us that, have, uh, those of us that are still alive as we're resurrected will be resurrected with these bodies, right? And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I, I got it. High blood pressure, cholesterol. I'm obese by most charts. You know, uh, it says that we won't have no problems. So I guess he's gonna take care of all that. You know, I mean, pretty much if he took care of all that, I wouldn't be me. You know, but uh, but that'd be okay, I guess. But but he's going. He's talking about the stole here first, saying, "Man, they have they have been laid to rest, but know that they are in the presence of God." That's hope, right? And he says, but don't be concerned that we will all be risen together. Paul explains the ascension in detail in 16 and 17. And it reads like this. Uh, it, says, it says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God in the dead of Christ Will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. I love Revelation one seven. It reads it like this. It says, "Look, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him, and all peoples of the earth will mourn Him because will mourn because of Him." so shall it be, amen. I love that verse as it really paints this picture that this shout (coughs) is going to come from the east. The clouds are going to be parted, and Christ is going to return to be reunited with the body of Christ, the bride. (coughs) As we see this here, that brings some clarity, I believe, in these verses. I just realized it's like 10 o'clock, man. I ain't even got my second one yet. But I'm going I'm to hit it real quick, okay? Paul gives the Thessalonians and us the promise of a great reunion, okay? He gives us the promise of a great reunion. There's the hope in the midst of death, in the midst of grieving. He gives us a promise of a great reunion. He also takes this opportunity to give them the challenge of preparation. I want us to read these verses. We'll quickly run through them. But it says in chapter 5, verse 1, Now concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. He's saying good job, right? He's affirming them, right? Right. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. They will not escape. Can I get an amen from a few people? Uh, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you. let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or we are asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. See, I wanted to preach a message this morning of hope in the midst of mourning. But I want to preach a message this morning and end with a call for urgency. Urgency to share the gospel. And also a call for us to live in the light. Right? It says, live in the light, not in the darkness. We know that darkness is a representation of sin, that we light is a representation of righteousness. So we should live our lives practicing righteousness. We're in our small group, we just we're going through 1 John and in 1 John chapter 2, verse 26 and 27. It says, those who practice Righteousness will become righteous, and those who practice lawlessness will become lawless. Ow! Hey, if we practice righteousness, He will bring us into righteousness. Amen? This promise that if we That that if we trust in Jesus Christ, then we should have this desire. The Holy Spirit transforms us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we become a new creation in Christ. And the Holy Spirit does this work. So don't worry saying, well, I'm not ready. I hadn't made these changes in my life. It's okay. He's not asking you to clean that up. He's just asking you to respond and come to Him. Then if we respond and we come to Him, then He'll do the cleaning up. He's in the cleaning business. The Holy Spirit will wipe away the trash in your life. And He will make you righteous. And then there will be this desire to practice righteousness and to live in the light Place in your heart that you do not have the power to do on your own. Amen. He says those that believe and trust in Jesus Christ will live awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. But not waiting in a sense of urgency. Because he says at the very end of those verses, the last one, therefore encourage one another, build up one another just as you are doing. He says go and share it with other people. Share it with other people. I want to end this morning by asking you this question. Do you have the hope that's talked about in these verses? Because I want to tell you this morning, there's no gray area. There's no on straddling the fence. One leg on this side, one leg on that side. It's either you know the hope of Jesus or you don't. It's either you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you haven't. There's no gray area there. I'm not talking about, yeah, I know Jesus is. He's a good dude. He died on the cross. And they say that through him I'm going to have salvation. But can you say that? Because you believe it. Have you been convinced of it? Have you professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you had a time where you said, God, I am unworthy, I am filthy. Please take this mess away from me. God, forgive me. This morning as I was pulling into the parking lot, I said, Lord, make me a clean vessel because I don't believe you'll use a dirty one here. Forgive me of the things that I've done this week, and I specifically named those. I'm not going to give those to you, but I specifically named those this morning to him. God, let me be a clean vessel for the Word of God. So This morning, I hope that you just hear the Spirit of God speaking to you. If you know that you're on the side of the fence that lacks the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because you've never professed Him as Lord. I want to tell you, He says that if we'll profess Him before others, He'll profess us before the Father. So just having this head knowledge is not all you need. It's this heart knowledge and saying, I'm going to step out in faith and I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Today, I'm going to stick this flag in the ground saying, today is the day that I know that I can cash in on the hope of Jesus Christ. And that my children are going to know that because now I have this sense of urgency to go forth and to share it. Hey, is that you today? There may be some people in here today that know that they need to stop today. They need to bow their heads at this moment and say, God, forgive me for my lack of faith. Clean me up from the sin in my life. Forgive me of my sins, and I want to make you the Lord of my life, not myself. Is that you today? that's you today, I want you just, all of us just bow our heads right now and look for for those of us that are believers of Jesus Christ that know that we're walking with the Lord, that we've confessed Him before men, that we've confessed Him uh, as our Lord and Savior. I want you to pray like this this morning. Lord, empower those that know they need to pray to receive Jesus Christ today. Let them not be afraid. Let them not tremble in fear, because none of that is from the Lord. Satan is the author of all of that mess. He's not the author of confusion. God brings clarity and brings truth, and it's just as simple as this. If you profess me, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you profess me before men, you ask for forgiveness and you make him the Lord of your life, then we will have this hope for the future hope for the unknown so church if you are believers in jesus christ i want you to pray this morning for those that are going to pray this prayer right here this morning i want you guys that feel this tug in your heart to trust jesus christ maybe for the first time or for the last time there may be some people in here says man i got baptized when i was a kid but it's because my sister did I did what the preacher told me to do, but man, as an adult, you need to make that decision for yourself because that preacher, me or fish or anybody else can't make that decision for you. And if you find yourself as that person this morning, I want you to pray a prayer simple as this. Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of those sins. I know I need you. Lord, come and be the Lord of my life. Give me peace and hope that's found in Jesus. It's simple as that. This morning, if you need to pray that prayer, I'm going to be quiet. They're going to play softly. We're going to give you a moment to just pray that prayer this morning. Church, be praying for those that need to come to know Jesus Christ this morning. Head down, eyes closed. This morning, if you pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you know who you are. Fish and I are going to be at the front now. Hey, this is your chance to profess Him before men. It's important. Don't leave this off. There should be no shame in the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of of salvation. Don't be ashamed. Lord, I pray that you would empower those that are here that maybe pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. Maybe there's some people that just need to come and get in your altar this morning and pray. Lord, whatever you need to do, would you do that now? In your name we pray, amen. Fish and I are going to be up front. We're going to ask you if you'd like to respond this morning, please do. You guys can go ahead and pray. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.